You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to The Mulligan. This is our Legends cast sideshow, or really just where we mix it up uh, between our Legends of Runeterra content. So today we will not be talking Legends of Runeterra, uh, at least not in like a directed conversation. Um, but on the Mulligan instead, uh, Mark and Brendan and I, we all kick back, we relax, and we chat about some sort of fun alternative uh, concept that we've come up with uh, for the episode that has to do with, of course, our nerdy habits. So uh, to introduce my co-host, of course, we have uh, Mark, a.k.a. The Lift. Uh, and, of course, we have Brendan, uh, also known as Gibbles and Bits. So, hey there, fellas. What uh, up? Good evening. Yeah, excited for an episode of The Mulligan, man. Uh, really enjoy doing these episodes. Uh, used to do this just as Patreon exclusive. Now we just do it like every other week because we like it. Because See, it's fun. That's right. Every time I hear The Mulligan, I know that this meant to be like the the card redo version, like in a card game, like in LOR, how this spawned off Mm -hmm. of it. But you have to understand that I'm also a a golfer and I have for my entire life been a golfer. So the term mulligan, I guess it has a similar connotation, but it literally means I just want to do do everything over again. And I want to try again exactly (laughs) what I just tried and failed at, which is ironic to me because I don't think we've ever while I've been a part of it and I don't know you guys can fill me in before I joined the podcast. Have you guys ever messed up a take of the mulligan? Uh, we always uh, recorded them twice and then threw one out at random. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> actually that- there was no, no, we actually did screw up one time uh, on an, ep- I think it was when we were ranking uh, Marvel movies uh, or, or, or like our top. Wars? No, I think it was no, Marvel. It was like our top three or top five Marvel movies uh mcu movies and we went through oh no no no! it was the it was the gaming one the, the video games one where we had like uh games uh-huh. that didn't stand up yeah and we did like this whole episode it turned out really great and then it was like it mark like had only recorded the first half and the recording had stopped because there was like a glitch and so we literally had like maybe half of it and it didn't sound very good so we did have to completely redo it and of course that was all spoiled spoiled for us because we knew what the everyone like knew what the other was going to say the whole time and you're just like yeah okay we're retreading old ground here uh <laughs> yeah it was more efficient the second time around it was it was definitely did, more efficient we trimmed it you started yeah. completing each of those sentences you're like yeah okay i know i know what you're gonna say next it's, yeah. it's fine it's yeah. fine <laughs> as though anything has ever been that like uh a preordained uh, in in our mm-hmm. episodes of our podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah no it just got a little bit more efficient for sure um but yeah, so super pumped, super pumped to do another episode of the Mulligan and, and pumped to talk about the subject tonight, which uh, DBN, you were the one who came up with the Mulligan subject for tonight, right? I mean, you're the one who usually comes up with them, but I think think tonight was yours. He's a big thinker. Uh, uh, you know, I just like to have a plan going into it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you guys do too, but when it comes to the Mulligan, we, we're just kind of like, what are we feeling? 
Anybody have any ideas? It's a lot hard. You know, with, with LOR, you kind of know, like, the news is the topic, right? Or whatever sure. the relevant thing is. Yeah, so this week, uh, we were just kind of thinking about stuff. And I've actually been playing a lot of uh, board games, especially with my girlfriend. And, you know, it's funny because um, I would definitely say that's one of the biggest things that I have uh, that she has changed in is her taste in games. Uh, not that she ever had necessarily bad taste, but uh, she's now is like really into card and board games and try and very adventurous and trying new ones. Um, and I'm going to take full credit for that. But we we play. We're all. It feels like in the last year or two, my game collection has like expanded drastically mm. and i do feel like i'm sort of branching out into other types of games too which is quite interesting so i wanted us to sort of talk about that specifically because of that two-player element right um you know since i moved down to uh to north carolina uh i i don't i don't see gibby anymore of course he moved away from me first so it's actually sad. his fault yeah sure. it's, it's fault. actually his fault mm-hmm. uh you know so the main person i play games with is my girlfriend um And that's kind of gravitated my sort of buying tendencies for games towards the games that are really good for just two people. Um, And so I wanted to talk about that because I think that there's a really strong uh, niche there. Now, of course, some games can be played two or more, but a lot of those games tend to be better with the three, four or five players involved. So so our topic today is just simply uh, we're each going to talk about one co-op two-player game and one competitive two-player game um that we feel is is really strong with just you know just those two players so um let's actually start with uh with mark mark you uh i I happen to know you have a lot of games you have probably the biggest collection of any of us although i would challenge you to count off against my father um, oh geez, I, I I didn't know that Dead Broke Dad had a big game. Club. I mean, I knew oh, I knew he liked insane. games. Insane. Yes, I, he has a exceptionally large collection. Like, imagine the kids going into Willy Wonka's factory for the first time into that like grassy knoll of a room. The first time I showed up to <laughs> Ian's parents' house and walked into the room where all of the board games and video games and other things were kept, it was. Probably one of the most overwhelming and satisfying and like exciting moments that I've had of like a nerd. I was just like, so this is what it looks like to achieve such a great feat of nerddom. Like, this is me in 30 years. This is what it looks like when you're a nerd, but you also have money. Uh, yes. So, yes. <laughs> Seriously. So right? Dead Broke well, Dad has actually been a bad description uh, so far. Uh, like he would you're... probably need. <laughs> he would probably need a small U-Haul alone just for just for the games. Wow. I don't know about a, a U-Haul, but uh, a I can tell one. you, having seen how many boxes of games got packed up, I mean, it, it was a wow. it was a lot of moving space. Uh, that that is certainly true. But uh, but you you have a large collection. Yeah, you, you play board games very regularly, uh, probably more than the other two of us. Although we're we're pretty avid gamers too. Yeah. So so you have a lot of thoughts here, but I I kind of you know for the sake of the efficiency, we've we forced Mark to whittle them down to yes. one apiece. It, we he he was like, I'm ready. I've got like seven apiece. We're like, bro, <laughs> we we got to get this done at some point. So so give us uh, we'll do co-op first. Give us your number one co-op. Uh, two-player board game. Awesome, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, my collection, I have about, like, you know, 70-ish games, about 65 or 70 expansions. Um, 
for those games, it's not a vast collection, but it's a pretty decent collection. And uh, and really, a couple of years ago, DBN, your introduction here has changed what I'm going to say. So uh, a couple of years ago, I was finding that I was my friend group, my gaming group was buying more games than we could ever play. And many of my games were seeing the table one time or less. So I have about, you know, a dozen or so games that I've never played um, sitting downstairs. And I realized that the most reliable person that I could play games with is actually my wife until my kids get old enough to play games with me. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start buying games that my wife, Jen, will play. And she was not a gamer, but she has gotten into board games over the past couple of years. Last winter, not so much. We're going to start it again, hopefully in this next couple of weeks. Um, and we have some games that we really, really enjoy together. So the co-op one, and we always play co-op together, competitive, is not a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, but I will, I'm going to highlight one that's really fun. Um, so my co-op one, though, that we have played together a lot is the Harry, Bo Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle deck building game. Um, it is a cooperative deck builder where you start off, you play one of uh, the various Harry Potter characters. And it is, the really interesting part and why it's so uh, introductory friendly is because if you have a significant other that is not a gamer, but they do like Harry Potter, like my wife, um, when you start off, the rules are crazy easy because you start off as a year one wizard at Hogwarts. You open up a box, you get your cards, you play the game. It's very simple. And then the next time you come back to play, you open up a new box and you add a bunch of new cards because now you are a year two wizard at Hogwarts. And it adds in a bunch of year two cards with a bunch of artwork from the movies. It's beautiful, beautifully done. And basically you're working together to defeat the villains. So, you know, a spoiler alert, uh, you know, you you beat the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher and some of the villains in the first time you play. And then as you work your way up, you know, game five, you're fighting Voldemort, six, seven. So each game is a new year in Hogwarts and it gets significantly more complex as you go, but in a way that even a non-gamer can build off the knowledge that they've had from previous games. And then there's two expansions for the game, the Monster Book of Monsters expansion, which gives you another four boxes that you can play over a series of four games, and the Potion and Curses expansion, which gives you another four boxes that you can play over four games. And then you can combine them all, fight every villain in a giant stack of villains, and the ultimate Voldemort at the end of them for the ultimate Hogwarts battle. It takes you like three or four hours to work through all of it. It's like a whole night of entertainment. My wife and I, I... For what I have paid for this game, I have probably paid 50 cents a play. Like, for, for what I've played this Pretty game, good. how much my wife and I have played it, I probably paid half a dollar a, a session that we've sat down and played this game. We've played a, we well, no, that's probably a lie. Probably a buck. We've probably paid it, played it 30 or 40 times uh, over the time that we've had it. And that is, just to give you a head, like, some of my games, I've, I, it's probably 50 bucks a play or $35 a play. So for it to be a buck or a buck 50 a play is huge. Um, that's a game that we've really loved. That's my co-op. Uh, Harry Potter, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. I think it's like 30, 35 bucks. You can find it uh, even at Target, I think now, but certainly on Amazon. Oh, I, I guess I get to choose next. Gibby, you're up. What's your cooperative? What's your cooperative two player? Oh, sure. by the way, that game can be played up to five, uh, four, and then up to five if you buy the expansions, but it's really not great above three, and it's absolutely at its best at two. Which is pretty unique for a lot of games. I mean, not a lot of games are 
are really like if they have the option to go up in players are typically better with two players. That's a really that's a really cool cool highlight. I love Harry Potter, so maybe I'll have to try to give that a a, a run with the wife. I mean, so when we were preparing for this episode and I was thinking about what games I wanted to highlight, my scope similar to Ian's. I mean, I had to do the same thing. I mean, Ian's always kind of been my um my my board game partner, my card game partner. Um, I don't think anybody else has ever challenged me like as much or made me lose as much in games as as Ian has. Aww. So like That's it's so it, which is a fun thing to be able to say. Uh so I until I met Mackenzie and she also was very good at stuff, which is really cool. Uh so but I've had to also shift in my in my board game collection, in my card game collection, and she brought some stuff to the table too, but we actually probably discovered this along with all three of us being my wife, uh, DBN, and myself when I was still living in Virginia and so was was uh, DBN, is there are a collection, there's a couple different makers of them, but there are collections out there of escape room style card game and board game, almost kind of hybrids that call just come in a single box and they are like an adventure that are an hour or two along. There are several companies that make them. A couple that I can think of off the top of my head are uh, Exit. Uh, there's another one called Unlock. Mm-hmm. And there's actually, my sister bought um, a a subscription from a company. Uh, she bought almost like one of those loot crates. She bought a three-month subscription for Christmas uh, for, my, for Mackenzie and me where once a month we get a different uh, escape room in a box and they're really well done that, that they pair. They always pair with an app. And this one was from the Deadbolt Society. Uh, oh, that's cool. And, and it was really, they're really well done. But the ones I want to highlight, I think if I was going to recommend uh, any to try, would probably be the Unlock series, uh, the Unlock company. Uh, they're usually found pretty pretty much everywhere. Uh, you can find them in Barnes and Noble. You can sometimes I think find them in Best Buys. You can find them in Target. They're all they're pretty accessible. You can find them online, Amazon, anywhere, and they are overall pretty high quality. They've got different varying degrees of of difficulty, and they're labeled on the boxes as such. But the app that it pairs with is pretty uh, pretty easy to understand. And they're always challenging and creative. Sometimes you had to like, like I had one where I had to like rip the inside cover of the inside cover of the box. And there was like, there was like another extra card hiding underneath of like the, uh, this thin like cardboard layer inside of the box. Or I had to scan the barcode on the side of the actual box as a part of one of the clues. Like it was real. they're really, really creative with them. So if you like mysteries, if you like solving puzzles, um, and you, whoever you're doing the board game with also does, they are a great option to sit down to do an hour or two. And probably the only con to them is that the replay effect of them, kind of what you mentioned with the Harry Potter game is you've played that game so many times. The replay effect of them for yourself isn't high because you've played it once. It doesn't change. It's going to be the same story next time. Not unless you tried to go back and beat it and get like a higher score, but you probably know some of the things that should be relatively easy. But the one thing I've learned and I can appreciate about it is they are very pass onable, right? There's a, there's a very easy way and they're very good that if you know other people who you think like maybe another couple, adult Mm -hmm. couple, friend of yours, um, or even parents and stuff like that, or siblings, if you wanted to pass it along to them or to other people, you can do that. I've passed several board games along to, um, to our friends, Annie and Steven, 
um, and they've played them several times and now they've passed them along to other people. So I think that's a really cool aspect of, of these escape room board games of such. I highly recommend giving them a shot. They are very, very cool. So so Jen and I have played every unlock that's out. Oh, um, really? Nice. Yeah, we've, we've played through every one. And so I, there's some that are better than others. Um, and you can True. pass them on, which is cool. And now they send them, they sell them in boxes of three. So you get like, there's series and they come out in a set of three. Um, if you actually want to get an introduction to the easiest ones, the Star Wars set is the easiest. If you want to see if I'm going to like them, there's a Star Wars set that came out. Um, and those are actually the easiest of all of the unlocks that are out, those three. So hey, that's hey, a great Ian, way you, to jump Have you in. heard of the Star Wars uh, uh, unlock set? Uh, yes, indeed. I own it, uh, courtesy of one Brendan Gibson. Oh, oh, that's right. Yes, it's like have I know he's a Star yet? Wars fan and also likes escape rooms. I haven't done all of them. Uh, okay, did the first one. Yeah, what was your experience? Um, and, and it with the was first good. One? Yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, great. I, I, we've actually done. Uh, so I've done some of them with with Gibby, mm-hmm. um, and we've done a couple different brands. I, I know when they were first coming out. I don't know which company it was, but there was some weird like translation exit. issues. That's why I didn't exit. that's why I didn't recommend mm-hmm. it there. Exit is a French based French com- they're French based yeah. company. So some of the translations when they're creating those boxes, some of the cards mm-hmm. don't translate well. Mm-hmm. Or they're having yeah. you decode something and the four digit word or word or something that you're creating might have a rough or loose translation or if they're trying to give you a hint to get you to like figure out a word mm-hmm. it might not be exact. Yeah. So so that but um unlock at least the ones that i've done have all been pretty well done i think that you know the app interface is is really strong the reason i don't buy them super often is because of that replayability factor i'm a little bit of a you know uh a little bit cheap in that factor like i don't like buying things you know for one-time uses um but i i do say that like i think that gibby's point about it being a community thing if you have a community of friends who are gamers it's such a cool thing to be able to pass them along and and you know have that sort of exchange and and just and maybe eventually it will build into playing games with those people you know um Mm -hmm. so i i think that's a really really cool suggestion gibby um for mine i actually so I, i so interestingly um, my girlfriend Jennifer uh, is very competitive. Um, okay, and uh, she's an incredibly competitive individual. Uh, you know, which I I really love about her. She's it's it is good because so am I. The difference is I think I'm a lot more subdued about it, but internally I'm like I need to win, right? Um, <laughs> she externally she, she externally she, says I need to win. She says it externally. That's the yeah. only difference. Right? You know, rip your um, head off. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. So, so interestingly, like she's not super high on competitive games, right? Because she's like, I want to, I want there to be stakes, right? Like that's that's her kind of thing, and I and I think that that's a, a f- perfectly fine thing for me because I I tend to prefer uh, uh, competitive games uh, myself. Um, I, I was very mean, tempted. Right? You tend to prefer cooperative. No, I tend to oh. prefer competitive. Okay. Um, but. Um, I will say there are some. I, if if there's going to be a cooperative game, I really like games uh, that either not all the information is present, um, or in which it's so complicated that I can't just unpuzzle it myself. Mm. Because that's been my my complaints about games like Pandemic. Uh, besides, of course, you know the Pandemic. Uh, sure, sure. <laughs> which which previously Pandemic was one of the you know most applauded um, sort of 
cooperative uh, multiplayer games out there because it was just really strong. It was accessible, and that was great about it. My issue was I would just unpuzzle it and end up either having to sit there with the information of, like, this is the most optimal play, but I, I need to let everybody else experience it, or me being like, ooh, don't do that because of this. No, you should move here. No, don't do that. Like, I, I figure it out in my head, and then I'm forced to either suffer through somebody doing something dumb or taking over the game. So when I'm looking at cooperative games, I really value things where there's either information hidden or so many options that I can't completely unpuzzle it. Yep. Which uh, I was tempted to to recommend the Lord of the Rings card game uh, that I've, exp I've talked about on the show before playing with my dad. Um, it's really, really strong. The reason I don't recommend it is it's kind of hard to find these days. Um, and it is a little more complicated. Um, but uh, so with all that being said, the game that I chose was actually Codenames Duet. So a lot of people probably played Codenames, um, which you'd play in teams. And there's a bunch of uh, you lay out a bunch of basically like little tiles of words. And uh, in teams, you're sort of competing to uh, say a word that isn't amongst the words that are down that would lead your partner to pick the words that you have on a little card. So for instance, if there's three words down and it's like, soldier uh tower and apple right and i can see that my the words that we're trying to get are is apple and soldier right then like maybe you can come up with a single word that connects those two without leading your partner to think that it's tower so if they call apple or and or soldier okay great you claim those and you're kind of racing against the other i'd team. say core yeah that would actually not be too bad <laughs> Um, good job, Gibby. Gibby's actually pretty good at this game. Um, so, uh, so, so that's, that's basically Codenames. Codenames Duet is basically stripping that down and saying, um, you're just going to work together as a team. And instead of competing against another team, you have a certain number of turns you need to like check off and complete all of the words on the list. Um, and there's actually, although we didn't really get into it, um, uh, I can see that you know, we, we tend to go like this is a very low stress game that we when we play it. So we don't really get into the longevity of it. But there's actually a sort of minor campaign almost that you can do that comes along with the box where you'll have modifiers on certain games where you'll, you know, have less turns to get it in. But you'll you'll do you'll have to claim less words and things like that as you travel around the globe on this little mini map. Um, even barring that, it's a really fun. It's very cheap uh, to pick up. And I think that for people that are sort of more inclined to have those sort of maybe not low pressure, but like low mental, uh, you know, effort from a tactical and strategical perspective, this is a really great option. I mean, we just know that we can bring it with us. The box isn't very big. You can, we can just bring it with us if we're going somewhere. And, and if we have 10 minutes to kill, we can bust it out and play a game in that amount of time. Um, so it's really good for for that case. So for the cooperative game, I'm I'm saying uh, Codenames Duet would be my recommendation. Awesome. awesome. So we have uh, competitive games. Yeah, competitive ones. Uh, and I think that's back around to you, Mark. Yeah, that's back around to me. So I, I had a couple uh, honorable mentions in this uh, that are a little easier. So one that's easy. I'm not going to explain these two. One that's easy, one that's for your gamer friend, and then one that we've just loved. So one that's easy, Santorini. Um, Santorini is uh, a really fun little. Uh, it's sort of like a. It's sort of like a chess and checkers style game, but it's vertical building. It's super fun. It's fun to put together. It's super fun to play. 
Would highly recommend it. It's pretty cheap. You can pick it up at Target as well. Haven is my other honorable mention done by Red Raven Games. But my true one that I'm going to say that you should get, uh, and, and, and Haven's a real mind game, um, this one is also a game that goes further than two players. It can also go up to four. I've played it at four. I like it best at two. I've also played it at three. This game is uh, a game by Red Raven Games. Uh, a guy named Ryan Lockett uh, develops his own game, does all of his own artwork, all of his own production, all of his own sales. He's a one-man show, and his games are absolutely gorgeous and super fun to, fun to play. This game is called Near and Far. In this game, you are going to take turns adventuring around town, um, going to various locations. You're going to go to the saloon. You're going to go to you know, the general store shop. You're going to go pick up a pack animal. You're preparing to go on an adventure. And you're going to recruit adventurers to go along with you, which you're going to collect in little tiles. And then uh, you're going to leave. Sometimes on your turn, you're going to leave town. You're going to go out on an atlas, which the board looks like a map. Uh, and you go out on the atlas. And at different locations, there are numbers. You stop at those numbers. And when you stop there, uh, your opponent reads you a story and gives you two options, of which you don't know what the result is going to be. But you can choose and you can use your adventurers and your skills to try to overcome obstacles um, to, you know, accomplish whatever it is that you've decided to do at those various adventure sites and collect goods. And meanwhile, as you're out there, you're going to be putting out camps and the first person to put out all of their camps is going to end the game. And you are going to tally points at the end based off of how many uh, rally, how many, how many journey points you've collected, how good uh, your adventuring party has done. It is a tremendous amount of fun. It's really great at two players. It is a little more on the complex side of things, but my wife picked it up and she is not a gamer. Um, so it's easy enough to pick up if you can get through the rules. Uh, my suggestion is definitely near and far. One of the funnest parts about this game too is uh, there is a, a book. It's like 200 pages long of stories. All of them are unique for the locations. And there is a, an, like I said, the atlas, the map that comes with it is almost like a, a binder or a book with a spiral ring so it lays flat. So when you open up a page, it lays flat. It shows you where the town is and where you start. And you get the sprawling map. Well, there is 11 different maps and you can do them one at a time. And there's a campaign that you work your way through that drives an overarching narrative, sort of like an RPG from beginning to end. So if you have somebody in your family or friend who isn't into RPGs but does like to play tabletop games, this is a good way to introduce them to kind of an RPG because they kind of get attached to their same character that they're going to choose in the beginning, that they're going to play through all 11 maps. You sort of get attached, and the decisions that you make in previous maps are going to give you keywords so the next time you come back to the table and play this game, the 4th, 5th, 6th, you know, 10th, 11th time, um, you're going to go into a certain location. It's going to read a story, and it's going to say, does your character have the rust keyword? And you're going to say, yes, I do. It's because I saved that robot back on map two. And like, well, because you saved the robot in map two, the robot walks out from the back of the cave in this one and saves you from the bear. And so something happened that would have never happened if you hadn't made the choice to save the robot eight, eight games ago. And so that makes the game a lot of fun because you feel like you've made progression and made an impact on the map. Um, and my wife loved that. I loved that. The gameplay of it is just very thematic and you really feel like you get into the game. Um, Ryan Lockett came out with a truly co-op play co-op game after that. Uh, this is a competitive one. There's a co-op version of it. 
um, called Sleeping Gods that I haven't gotten to play yet. Um, I own it, haven't, haven't played it, um, that uh, I'll come back in a future episode and tell you about. But Red Raven Games, near and far, is my suggestion. That's awesome. I mean, it, that sounds doable and fun because we're all talking about, I guess in our experience, per se, the the two players that we are talking about are the same two being our us and our probably our significant other that we're not rotating through like a dozen people like where it's a bunch of two player games great and we are truly playing with two players but it's a different two players every single time that kind of those kind of games like near and was it you said it was near and far Near and far, you would play with the same. You would you would play, the, play same the same two people, two, which the whole which we way could through. do. Yeah, at least in this group, we would probably be playing with the same two people, so that works. Yeah. That's really really cool. I it's it's almost like a long con kind of a game. It's like it's like D and D but for two people. Yeah, I mean they make all kinds of games like that. They're called legacy games, and you actually destroy parts of the game as you play it. You play with the same players over usually ten to thirteen times, and you have a unique version of the game that is true to you by the end of it and my wife and I love those games we've played several legacy games um over our time you know over the last couple of years and and they're a lot of fun to play together both competitive and cooperative sweet well it seems like it's background to me for my uh competitive game there's a couple that I I really thought about and I mean we I spitballed to you guys what I think I was going to talk about before we started the episode and then as you're talking Mark I'm thinking about more games that I wish I could bring up I'm going to do a couple honorable mentions and not cut not really go into them but just spit purely spit them out by name in case other people want to look them up that hear the episode uh, so two games that I was thinking about I might have talked about one of these previously when we were talking about good games to bring to like a uh, to, to Christmas for or to a holiday time frame per se with with family um i think one of the cool coolest games that i've played in recent that i've gotten gotten into with with mckenzie is uh called azul azul is really really fun it's not too complicated it's uh very visual as well so love that game the other one that i've had for a little bit longer than my sister got me which is based off of uh the same makers of another game that i like called uh exploding kittens there's a game called bears versus babies and it's a two to four player game. Bears versus Babies is hilarious. And the art is so whimsical and funny. And it works really, really well for two players. I'd say no more than three really is kind of the best group amount to play it with. But uh, I'm going to go classic with the one I'm actually going to dive into. Uh, it's called Sequence. Now, I've had this game since I was probably six. And not that I was playing it probably properly, when I was six, but I've had it since my childhood. I used to play with my mom all the time. And uh, Mackenzie, ironically, also had it and would play all the time with her father when she was growing up. So when both of us showed up when we started dating and each had a copy of it at each of our houses, we freaked out and we got into this very competitive series playing sequence back and forth. And we've had we've kept like a tally about like, who's on a winning streak and who's not and like what our overall like lifetime record is of against each other in sequence and the way this game works very simple so it's got a board on it that has uh the uh, like a diagonal it's kind of a di uh i would say a rectangular board and it's got uh little square pieces or little square pictures of all of the cards in a deck of cards minus the jacks 
the jacks are not on the board, but it's actually got every card in a deck of cards placed twice. So what is it? So there's 52 cards in a deck, 48. So there's 96 spaces on the board, right? Which actually works out. Uh, I think it's actually, I think it might be square. I think it might be 10 by 10 because in the corners, there's just four symbols. But anyway, there's 96 slots. Um, and you've got a double deck of cards and there are uh, jacks in there. that they, They've made some of them one-eyed and some of them two-eyed because they are, depending on the number of eyes that the jacks have on the card, they do different abilities. But essentially your goal is to you assemble a, a deck of cards, you assemble a hand of like seven cards, and your goal is to play cards going back and forth between you and your opponent. And let's say you play the six of clubs. There are two slots on the board that have the six of clubs on them, and you can put your token on either six of clubs. And your goal is to get two um, connecting five in a row, either either diagonally or in a row or in a column. You're trying to get two two rows of five in a row connecting five of your tokens in a row on the board before your opponent can and some of the jacks you can remove cards some of them are wild so like there's some ways to kind of mess with your opponent but overall simplistically it's a very classic very easy game talk about replayability same kind of thing i must have i probably played that game about a hundred times it is fantastic the rounds aren't super long maybe 15 minutes uh, 20 minutes and it makes it easy to play another round or two if you want to just dump the board upside down and sort out your chips again and then reshuffle the deck and have another go at it it's really fun there's a lot of different strategies with it and i think it's just a very classic easy to play game it's accessible for every age group and will never go out of style i still see it sold all over the place Ian, round us yes. out. I think it's I think it's your uh, competitive game, my sir. Okay, so I had one in mind the whole day, and then I'm changing it at the last second. Um, <laughs> so the one I had uh, was uh, Seven Wonders Duel, and I'm not going to go into the rules because it's complicated to explain. Um, it's not a complicated game once you've played it once, no, but getting through the first game you know, takes a little bit of, of patience as you kind of realize what the game is about. However, the replayability <clears throat> in Seven Wonders Duel is incredible, and I've literally uh, had my girlfriend, you know, just text me, hey, you know, you're coming over tonight. Make sure you bring Seven Wonders so we can play it again. Um, so, I mean, it's a big endorsement, you know, honestly, just in that situation. Uh, the game is really great. Replayable, like, it, it kind of... Uh, you know, we have this sort of back and forth and, and I've won and she's won. And, you know, we're, we're, it's, it's very, there's multiple ways to win, which is really exciting. But I, I determined for my overall point that I want to make with competitive two player games is uh, that I need to go in a different route. And that is, I believe that the best competitive uh, two player games are asymmetrical games. And these are, that's because like, you're not trying to have parity in options between two players because I think that there's this unique situation when you have two players, then you can explore a more story-driven or thematic experience um, that can't be done when you have three-plus players and things need to be balanced. You don't need to balance things in a two-player game necessarily. You need to, uh, you know, have... You can have situations where there are different play styles which you know someone might gravitate towards over somebody else um some examples of that uh we recently played um a game a micro game called mr jack pocket 
Um, and that one was actually really cool. It's like a tiny little box. I got that actually from my dad for, for Christmas. It was a ton of fun. Um, you know, you've got this other great game called um, Blood of an Englishman, which is a sort of card moving, sort of like a solitaire situation game where you're, you've got one player playing as Jack and you're trying to climb a beanstalk and collect the cards to do that while the giant is trying to assemble four cards, fee, fifo, and fum in an order in order to, you know, beat Jack before he climbs the beanstalk and steals the treasure. There's just so many like themes that can be explored with asymmetrical games. And so the one that I want to shout out here uh, is actually just a combination of things that I really like. Uh, and uh, I've played it a couple times with my dad. I've played it uh, once with Jennifer and, and all the situations were, were fun. And I think I maybe enjoy it more than either of them. Um, so I'm going to be selfish and I'm going to suggest... And I don't even know if you could... You probably can... I haven't Googled it to see how much it costs or anything. Uh, Revolver. Uh, so Revolver is this weird little... It's not little. I mean, it's not big either, but it's in this tin. And it's this card game uh, in which uh, it basically plays out a Western movie. But it's not like a real Western movie. It's like a Western movie that was made up for the plot of this game. Right? Okay. And... If both from a thematic perspective, uh, the or mechanics perspective, the players, one of them will play uh, the the colonel, the uh, the sort of the law dog that's chasing down these uh, you know these criminals, and then the the other person will play you know the criminal gang that just robbed this bank, it blew it up with a stick of dynamite, stole the money, and is running off to Mexico. Um, and you'll progress through these different stages. And each player will have a certain number, like, will have cards in their hand that they can play out. Um, and some things have, like, you know, you have to discard a card to play it, and you'll you'll draw more cards every turn. Um, but the uh, there, there's sort of this asymmetrical component where, like, the, uh, um, the outlaws, all they have to do to win the game is not die. But they have a limit to the number of resources that they can play out. Whereas on each of the given little scenarios that you're moving along, you know the the um, uh, the outlaws can only play three cards, you know, but the sheriff can play as much as he wants. But the sheriff actually has to eliminate and start picking off the members of the gang, and you put all these, you spread out all of these gang members on your side of the board if you're playing the outlaw, and as things happen, if you lose a firefight. One of them gets discarded, and when it gets down to it, and some of them have effects when they get discarded, like when one of them dies, um, it actually will help the outlaw. Some of them, if one of them dies, it will you know cause the outlaw to lose some stuff, but um, it gets down to it, and as long as the gang leader card, as long as the leader hasn't been killed yet at the end of the game, you win. So it's this resource management game where you're like, okay, I can allow myself to lose a little bit more here. Um, but then on the next stage, when the sheriff is like running out of cards and is trying to replenish, that's when I'm going to start playing about down a bunch of heavy resistance and hopefully not lose more gang members. What I love about it that pushes it over the top though, is the theme. And it was weird at first because I didn't understand it. And then I realized that they're, what they're doing is just really meta and hilarious. The cards are self-referential in that they make references as if it was from a movie that doesn't exist, right? So there's flavor text on the cards. There's like one card, which is like, uh, this got this guy and he's got a, uh, like a, he's like leaning out the window of this cabin. There's a cup of coffee on the windowsill and he's like looking back into the window. And the title of the thing is, uh, thanks for the coffee and eggs, ma'am. And it's like, it's like a, and in quotes, as if it's like a quote from a movie 
right? Like but it's, it's just not. familiar enough that you like think you, you can place it to something, but it doesn't you're like, actually maybe, belong. Right. And so there's, yeah, exactly. And so there's all of these like um, things in the thing, like they're referencing the other characters in this game that are made up. Right. And there are some cards that are kind of referential to like larger, like, like, you know, Western movies and stuff, but it's kind of like a, a love letter to the tropes more so than any specific property. Um, and so just from a theme, if you like Westerns, which I do, it's really fun. But even setting that aside, just sort of the pacing of the game is really exciting because the sheriff is like really pressing, you know, to get this, to get these guys killed off as fast as possible, because the further along it gets, you know, the better the outlaws have a chance of escaping, you know, and the outlaws are like, I just got to survive until I get to the end and really make, if I'm going to play a card, I need to get a lot of use out of it. Um, and so it's just two completely different approaches, which makes for a really exciting game. And, and again, explores that like asymmetrical space that I think is the big advantage to playing a two player only game, um, is that you can do that. So anyways, um, revolver is, is the one I wanted to talk about, but, um, I think there's a lot of really great asymmetrical games that, that can be explored and that you guys should, uh, should check out. Nice. That sounds really fun. I like it. I'm not so much like in, enthralled by westerns, but I'm interested enough where I want to give it a try. Uh, I think you'd actually really like it, Gibby. That's, that's kind of your speed, I think. In the, uh, it, it's a it's a balancing act. The whole the whole game, kind of like L five R, honestly, where you're like, I've got a I've got a set number of resources, and and when I play it is almost as important as what happens after I play it. I like it. I like awesome. yeah. resource stuff. Well, well I mean, uh, people definitely have some good suggestions for uh, yeah. board games they could pick up here and get into uh, in 2022. And definitely. throw your favorite listeners, throw That's your right. favorite uh, board games or card games that you like to uh, challenge and beat down your favorite uh, counterpart either with or against in our podcast discussion channel on the Legends Cast uh, Discord. We'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, definitely. And if you guys have any suggestions for future episodes of The Mulligan, um, you know, non-LOR topics that you would love to hear us discuss, uh, please uh, slap them in there as well. We'd really like to sort of explore this space uh, a little bit more. We've been doing it more, obviously, as you guys have heard. And really, we're just sort of talking off of things that we enjoy, but we're definitely down to start exploring topics uh, submitted by listeners so we'd love to do that thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the mulligan of course we'll be back next week with a little more lor action plenty of stuff to talk about in that regard but until then uh enjoy your games good luck on the ladder and we'll see you next time Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.